Hello, uh, it's Phil. I've been out um, of the podcasting world here on our feed for a few months um, for reasons I'll explain later, maybe. Um, anyway, suffice it to say that I have moved from Billings to Bozeman, so I've been involved doing that shit. Um And, yeah, actually, I'm excited to kind of get back on the podcast train here. I've got some banked, uh, some conversations, um, new shows, one or two, I think. I'm going to do a podcast with my brother, Jack. And then we've got a couple Waste Books episodes uh, racked up now, too. And so I'll be dropping those. Um, And then last, I guess, our new show is... uh, Game of Pros, we're going to take that on. It was a podcast previously done by a couple friends of ours, um, and they decided to join forces with us to do a kind of a writer's podcast where people from Waste Division will will write things in a sort of competition. Uh, So anyway, yeah, it should be fun. Um, First, though, we have Filthy Talk... This is a conversation with my friend Riddy, who lives um, just outside of Missoula, near the Dixon area um, in Montana here. I need to look up Riddy's last name. Anyway, she is really cool lady, person. Um, Riddy Arman, that's what I thought. A-R-M-A-N. That's R-I-D-D-Y, Arman. You can find her on Instagram, under at Riddy Armin. Um, and yeah, I recommend going to give her a follow. She um, writes really beautiful songs. We have a nice conversation. And um, if you're interested, you can go check out uh, one or two videos of hers on YouTube that are doing pretty well. Um, one of them is by Western as fuck. And the other one might be two. Let me see. Oh, Saddle Sessions is the other one. Yeah, so check her out on YouTube. Anyway, uh, and otherwise, check out waste-division.org um, to see more of our work like this podcast. Uh, we're just kind of doing DIY shit in as many ways as we can think of. So, Yeah, so there's like a reason I forgot to mention that I haven't published anything. Uh, it's that my laptop died, and I, uh, I haven't. I've had trouble getting a computer back online, but I got one. Um, yeah, I'll, there's some other shit, too, but that's the main thing. But since my computer died, I don't have uh, the normal Filthy Talk intro music song noise thing. So uh, I'm just going to do one here. Filthy, 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 filthy talk. 
Hi, Riddy. <laughs> Hi, Phil. How is your night? <laughs> so good. We just ate some burgers. Yeah, I'm in <laughs> food comas like in slight effect, but I think that this um, healthy glass of Pendleton <laughs> is going to energize me. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Well, I guess I know very little about you because we just met. Yeah. Like a couple weeks ago, kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although I saw you like a few weeks ago before that when I was visiting, I think. Or yes. not. No, we saw each other. Yeah. When you were staying in the loft. Yes. And you brought the kitten. Yep. Yeah. So, I don't know, just like basics. I know about you is that you write really pretty songs <laughs> and that you work in on a ranch. Yeah, all true. And um, What other lies have they told you? Well, you're really tall. Uh, that's not <laughs> a lie. Fact. That's also true. <laughs> yeah, very tall. Um, uh, what am I missing? Well, I'm from Ohio. Okay. Um, traveled around a lot. Kind of, you know, in my family at least, I'm known for just like never being in the same place for a long time which i don't like don't you know i don't, I don't want to be that nomad i want to live somewhere for oh a long time yeah <laughs> but <laughs> why are you that way i just feel drawn to different places and i follow that and leave mm -hmm. and i don't have much that's ever holding me down you know um so it's really quite easy for me to just kind of bop around right Got a couple dogs? One dog? Yeah, two. Two. Two dogs. Um, yeah, I mean, they're the only thing that really makes it difficult because yeah. one doesn't like to travel that much. Mm. But, um, so, yeah, here here we are in Montana. Yeah. So you busted up here from New Orleans. Yeah, early spring. With COVID stuff. Yeah. Honestly, I think I got the COVID, and in, like, a yeah. death, I was, like, so sick. And the healthcare system down there is super janky that mm -hmm. I, like, just couldn't get into the doctor. And um, I was so sick. I kind of feel like I had a near-death experience, honestly, and just made this decision within being really, really sick that I was going to move up here, and I did. Like, as soon as I got better, I came up in within that month and helped. Uh, well, I kind of had a job mm -hmm. offering to help with calving season at the ranch I work on, so I came up and just started working calving season, and here I am, like, a few months later. Yeah. I guess. So, near-death experience, you were, like, was there a specific moment that was really alarming or you just like got really sick? It was sick just like was really painful and feverish. Yeah. You know that feeling when like you're, you're like, gonna die. like, it's like you're hallucinating kind of, you're so sick. And so it's another been a while. thing, yeah, <laughs> I lived with roommates, but, uh, it was Mardi Gras. So they were all on benders and like everyone mm -hmm. was partying and no one was really paying attention to what, to me because everyone was in their own worlds and i was so sick i could barely even text and damn <laughs> it was crazy yeah yeah <laughs> uh so you came up here you have been up here before and worked though mm, well i babysat our oh. friend's farm and oh, that's okay. where i met my current boss and uh yeah i came up to like meet little arlo yeah 
Uh, nice. Okay. Then, but uh, and then I, I moved here. But yeah, it's this weird thing where like my whole uh, my whole life, I feel like Montana has been this looming thought and idea. Like I've always had this weird intuition that I was gonna live there or uh, just end up there. And Laura had wanted me to move here when they did, and and that she was right. I should have right then. That would have been the smart decision. Mm. You know, (laughs) save me from a lot of like grief. Mm. (laughs) But sometimes we don't make those. No, life does not work that way. You got to go through the hard shit for the beauty to like, you know, arise. But yeah. Anyways, so here I am. Right. (laughs) So have you done? You've done ranch work before. Um. Yeah. It was like tied into. So I managed a cannabis farm and um. Can I get you to get that up too? There yeah, I managed a cannabis farm, and um, my boss was a cowboy. Oh. And so he would bring me gathering at the ranches and, like, to Brandings, and he kind of got me sucked into that world. Oh, really? Yes, really. And then, um, I mean, I've always been into, like, agriculture and livestock um, rearing, but once I got a taste for, like, cowboying, that... M- I wanted to figure out how to do that. And really, I mean, just working on a ranch, then you get to cowboy and. Right. Cool. I don't consider myself a cowboy, though. No. No. Not yet. (laughs) No. (laughs) Do you have aspirations of owning your own thing sometime or doing that? That'd be cool. But I don't really think that in this time. God, maybe I'm like speaking too too closely to like what i hear my older like more pessimistic bosses say because they've like been through the ringer with ranching Mm. i do want to own a farm or something yes i would love to own a ranch but it's just the only way your ranch is seems like ranches can really survive these days is if you're like have some type of generational wealth you know like there's Mm. something some other source of money there right or you're like super business minded, which I don't really. Hi, Pharaoh. Hi, Pharaoh. <laughs> I'm a cat visitor. Yes. Pharaoh, your underbelly has gotten so saggy, honey. <laughs> it's that <like> COVID <laughs> 15. Yeah. I got it too, sweetie. <laughs> uh, I'm curious about when you started doing music stuff. Um. Well,. When I was 21, 22, I lived in New Orleans and kind of like everyone I lived with was a musician. Not kind of like, everyone was. And um, and so I would sing. I mean, I've always sung. That's always been something, uh, even as a kid, I was like, can, as far as I can remember, I've been like making up little songs and that. But um, my um, one of my roommates, Kiki Cavazos, she... Um, had this guitar and she was just really supportive and she was like you should try to play this guitar you can use it whenever you want here's a tuner so I started playing guitar and that and then moved to uh moved from there to Virginia and lived out on this farm with like no it was before smartphones so you know I wasn't like wasting my time scrolling Mm -hmm. 
or anything. I was just out there and yeah, just started writing songs and they all started off like super slow, like painfully slow. Um, and they're still pretty slow, but is that a mechanical thing or on purpose? Like, I think it was mechanical. I think it was like how I learned to play was like playing guitar to singing. And that's still how I write songs or like I'll sing this song and like my guitar figures out what I'm singing. That's kind of how I write. I, I don't claim to be really a guitar player, but I can do it just because yeah. I want to sing. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's how I am, too. You're a good guitar player, though. Yeah. You I'm are. You're yeah. good. I, I could do. <laughs> I could play fast-ish. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. Yeah, you can, like, play and, you know, the strings sound good when you play them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe I have some fundamental stuff. I'm mostly bass player, so my fingers mm. are slower. Yeah, bass player fingers that way. But yeah, um, is it too early to p- have you play a song? No, it's kind of loud. Maybe we'll wait oh. for that bullshit. Oh my gosh! To go that's away. That's Pharaoh's scratching post. Good scratching, Pharaoh. Good job, bud. Huh. Um, so you and Laura met in Humboldt? Yeah. Or know each other from yeah, that? Yeah, we met in Humboldt, and we just had, like, a little small core group of friends, kind of, um, basically, like, retired punks that went out and started growing weed, and uh, <laughs> then everyone moved away. I was, like, the last, I guess we had a couple more friends still there, but I was one of the last, like, of our friends, and hmm. I got out of there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got the heck little out. rough. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Yeah, towards the end, mm. I went through a pretty gnarly breakup, just like a sad breakup. And we had farmed together, so you know, I was I. You know, mm. sometimes after breakups, you just wanna move. Do like, different stuff. Yeah, if you're like trying to battle with an addiction, it's like helps if you move towns. Like I think that that might help with like a breakup, which. Like codependency, may, where that may or may not be involved. Yeah, <laughs> addiction and codependency. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. So what? What do you write about? Why? How How many songs have you been writing your own songs for a while then? Or. Yeah, that's all I've. Yeah. I wish I knew more covers, actually. Mm. Yeah, just writing my own songs. They're all sad because, like, okay, so when I started writing in Virginia, that was, um, I was just, like, super depressed because I do, you know, struggle with depression, and I find when I'm in that, like, sad space, the space where you, like, want to rip your shirt off or rip, like, your heart out, you know, it, like, physically hurts, that's when I feel like I can really whip out some badass, like, songs (laughs) songs <laughs> but i'm more i'm also now that i'm in like a really good healthy space trying to find new content and like it's so boring like i don't want to just write songs about heartbreak that's like so boring i don't want a whole album about mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of singular dimensional yeah, yeah. and there's just a lot more a lot more um that I'd like to put to song, I guess. A lot more things I'm thinking about. And 
I mean, mainly right now, I'm just interested in writing songs that are, um, these are like the first songs that I wrote are um, lots of like nature imagery and kind of take you to the place. Um, and so, you know, I've been like ranching and so I've been kind of writing some songs that are kind of like more like westerny, cow- just like little cowboy songs. Yeah. Which um, I've been having fun with. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how many songs you've written? I don't know. I think like 13 and then I have a bunch that are half written. That yeah. I want to finish <laughs> someday. Right. And you just put out a video with Western as fuck. Yes. That's something we should talk about. <laughs> what about? What about? Uh, <laughs> well, so you have a demo out. I'm just kind of like getting a lay. Yeah, yeah. I have the, the demo. Do you want to put the 13 songs on an album sometime? Is that a goal? Or? Well, I, uh, I. Uh, okay, so this is the thing. You're asking really good questions because the first like six or seven songs that i wrote i put on an album that i recorded with my ex Mm. he played fiddle he accompanied me and some of those songs i wrote before we met but anyways he i mean i love him he was like such a big support and like super instrumental in me putting my music out there but those songs now you know it's like they've been Mm -hmm. out and and like music was something we did specifically that album and it's like i don't I have some weird attachment to those and they're just so a part of this a particular one time period time. that I don't want to bring them to life again. Mm-hmm. Especially because this next album is going to be produced by Bronson too, um, who he has a studio in Mississippi called Dialback Sound, but he also works out of Portland and we're going to like produce, like he's going to help me really produce this thing and bring it to life in a different way. And those mm-hmm. songs were just, you know, we recorded it in a fucking chapel in New Orleans. It's kind of haunted and spooky and and janky as hell. And mm-hmm. I want it to kind of just <laughs> stay like that. Mo- move on. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes so that's necessary. I only have six finalized songs, but I have like a few that I'm going to get done before then. Mm. Cool. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. Do you, um, I'm curious about like how you write. Cause like oh. I said, I've just been starting to do a bit more like of what I would call like serious songwriting or something mm-hmm. for the longest time. I was like afraid of being serious and, yeah. and there was like, st- there's definitely a level of seriousness like in my punk rock lyrics, but it's also something where usually I'm just like screaming like a, yeah. a melody and then some words will pop into my head and I'll use those yeah. and they like become meaningful. Yeah. You can like in punk music, like hide behind the emotion of being angry. Yeah. Like even if the lyrics or s- the content's sad, it's like, right. You can still be tough. Or yeah. 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 And so I think that whole front, it was helpful for me to like kind of yeah. get comfortable, but now I'm starting to do stuff and it's funny. Like today I was really annoyed at like how I was rhyming words. Oh, yeah but then also like i was thinking about songs that i love recently Mm -hmm. like tyler childers or whatever and they have like pretty simple rhyme schemes sometimes Mm -hmm. and they're still really fucking good yeah and so i'm like trying not to 
like dismiss my ideas as corny before they have a chance to like come out all the way yeah what do you like so i was cutting up the verses and like mixing them around to try to like see if there's anything there is that what you were doing yeah 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 okay so one thing i'm super struggle with is stopping a song before it's finished in the fear that it's corny Mm -hmm. corny or an audience whoever the fuck audience won't like it and i think that well i know that something i'm working on right now is to just write the motherfucking song yeah record it however that is keep it in the back burner um and at least like get that emotion or melody or whatever it is out mm-hmm. but um and then may- like go back to it and, and then work maybe it. go back to it and yeah maybe i mean there's this song that i uh that's gonna be on the new album that was like one of the first songs i wrote that i was kind of like this is stupid but i have picked some verses out of it and like reworked it Mm. and now i like it yeah but um yes i love talking about songwriting Mm. it's like my favorite it's one of my favorite things to nerd out about because there's so many different ways to do it Mm. like i (laughs) seriously the way i write songs is <laughs> staring out my window, just like strumming my guitar and kind of <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll have things like already written. And a lot of times it's just kind of just comes out of me. The melody and sometimes even ideas or I'll have mm. an idea and I'll have a bit written down about it Mm -hmm. you know i had written like a poem and and then i'll get like verses or chorus bridge just by freestyling kind of Mm -hmm. and i've had really good luck doing that nice yeah and just rolling with it and see what happens yeah just roll with it and recording myself that's very important Mm -hmm. for me and listening back to see how yeah. it comes off or seeing how it sounds, how the lyrics sound mm-hmm. and how my voice sounds. Um, but mainly I can get a better idea of how the lyrics sound if I like hear it back. Cause when I'm singing it, I'm in the mood. Obviously it's like, I feel attached and yeah, it's, it's hard to get outside. Like something I need to express does not fucking make it a good song. Mm. If you, you know, sometimes when I'm really into it, I'll send it to my friend and they're like, uh, not really. <laughs> I don't know. Or like, have you been listening to a lot of Coulter Wall? And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> yes, but does, did that really <laughs> translate? I've always listened to him. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad thing, I guess, but. No one likes to be compared <laughs> to someone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you um write songs? Like, I mean, I guess I just saw you, and you just explained to the microphone. <laughs> A little bit. Um, I guess it's pretty similar. It's like just uh, freestyling and see like what s- sounds good. Yeah. And then try to spit it out like on paper. Mm-hmm. Or record it. Um, yeah, I've, I've found it really helpful to like listen back to and just record stuff and yeah. see. 
Because, yeah, I mean, it's just so fucked up. Like, part of the process is... Cr- I mean, the, cr- the process is creation. So, like, right. I tend to do probably what most of us do, which is, like, get critical right away. Oh, it's the, bi- it's the biggest battle with yeah. making any type of art. Yeah. Because then you just, like, crippled. Yeah. You can't really create stuff if you're worried about how it comes out as it's coming out. Yeah. So... Sorry. No, I mean, yeah, just yeah. It's like important to remember that in the end, you are making. I mean, music and art is motherfucking selfish mm. in this way, where you're, you are making it just to express. Maybe it's not selfish, but I mean, you you're creating something to ex- express yourself and it's like a form of therapy maybe i should just speak for myself Mm. doesn't mean any motherfucker has to like it once you start trying to appease the masses like that's when shit gets really bad yeah (laughs) right i mean (laughs) i feel like sometimes my music i'm like ooh, that song's bad (laughs) because you were trying to get some normie ass bitches to like Mm -hmm. it just (laughs) Just be a freak. Just be a freak. Just write some weird ass music. Like, don't have to fit into any genre. Yeah, people, people might look at you and mm. think you write a certain type of music. But, man, if you dress like a cowgirl and come out with some freaky ass Bjork shit, like, good for you. Yeah. Good. Yay. The genre stuff is weird. It's really weird. That's one that annoys the shit out of me in punk and metal. <laughs> yeah, th- like you have to wear a black band tee, and wear like black jeans, or else you're not, or else you're not like a, a real punk, punk. Even if you write punk music, yeah, yeah, yeah I fuck with that all the time though in my band. Yeah. like we're pretty heavy, and I just like freak out, and people are usually like, mm, damn. But <laughs> yeah. So like, I have enjoyed going on stage in like Birkenstocks and just yeah. like hippie dirtbag stuff. Totally. And being, like, <laughs> yeah, this is a hardcore band. <laughs> <laughs> But we don't have, like, any of the big amps or anything to say, like, we're a hardcore band. Right. Oh, is that but a thing? That's what we're loud. That's hard- definitely a thing. It's, yeah. like, part of being in the scene is you have, like, certain amps sometimes. Certain gear. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Um, it's funny. That's even how, like, the country music genre is about, good, like... I was thinking with guitars. Guitars, yeah. yeah, it's so funny. It's like, gosh, I gotta watch my mouth because this is being recorded. But um, I can't talk give it to us. Give it to us. Can't talk too much shit. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> oh, I saw it. You know, like s- there's like the kids that work like minimum wage jobs at a fucking pizza shop and have like a four thousand dollar like gibson hummingbird what maybe they're three or two i don't know but and you know that like mom and dad bought that for them for christmas and pay for their like two thousand dollar rent in nashville while they like pretend to work some (laughs) shitty fucking job at a pizza store but (laughs) they like same with there's like a lot of suitcase cowboys that have like $4,000 saddle, like mm-hmm. $1,000 chaps and that their parents bought them and suitcase cowboys. I yeah, I Is heard that someone use that term. I don't know if I used it correctly, but that's what I take it as. Like yeah. they just have like 
all the spiffy gear. Right. Oh, they so have they can the put clothes. it on. Yeah. Yes. They can just completely put the outfit on and have a horse and dress it up and th- th- you know, they they can dress the part fully where I fucking can't. That's the stuff. Yeah. Cuz you could just buy in. I mean, that's yes, the whole thing. That's the all it takes is capitalism money. is. That's why uh, Nashville sucks. Yeah. Because I bet you look at Florida Georgia Line's parents' incomes, and I bet they all come from rich-ass fucking families. I mean, <laughs> fuck those dudes. But it's a lot of things with the scene. All this sceney shit mm. really bugs me. I mean, I just kind of do my own thing. And I think that because of, you know, some of my friends in New Orleans and people that do push my music are more in the country world, I will, like, get those fans and also, I mean, I also get those fans just because I legit work. I mean, I work on a ranch, mm-hmm. so my content will probably always be like a little bit like country music lyrically, but right. I don't know. Um, the song. It's really loud sometimes. <laughs> yeah. uh, the song that you had recorded is called what? Or that you, with the vo- with Which the video for one Western is fuck. Yeah, it's called Spirits, Angels, or Lies. Nice. And what's what's it about? It's about my dad. Well, it's about this crazy story that. Uh, okay, so last year when I wrote the song, I was sitting at this coffee shop scrolling on Instagram because I'm addicted. But don't worry, everyone listening, that's going to change soon. I was <laughs> scrolling through Instagram and I was follow I follow Rolling Stone Country and they had a commemorative like Johnny Cash death anniversary post and it reminded me of this story that um happened I guess like like a month before my dad died where can I tell the story? Please, yeah. Okay. Where, um, so he was in hospice and he had been for like a month and he was like just totally like on his way out, just kind of not like really there, but he was enough. Um, and, um, my mom went to visit him one morning and he told her that, um, Johnny Cash had come there on the freight train and there's a, a, a train line right behind the hospital that ran like quite frequently and yeah he said Johnny Cash came and he wanted me to leave with him but I didn't want to and I just told him I'd stay and my mom was like kind of like okay honey um wow cool um that's crazy and they're hanging out she said they did like the cross like the crossword in the newspaper or something and then you know my mom turns the tv on in his room and she turns the news on and it's Johnny Cash died, died last night. Um, yeah, in the middle Whoa. of the night, like when my dad said he came, kind of, and my mom, I think it kind of shook her. Yeah. Because he had had some other, he got like really fucking psychic. And, you know, he would like know, he would be like, I think so and so, so and so, and their dog is here to visit me. And my mom would be like, nope, they're not here. And then 10 minutes later, they would walk in oh weird on a surprise you know he was like on the edge he was like looking over (laughs) like his spirit was like half fucking up right you know and so i think it was just because johnny cash is 
was like a prominent individual, I think it just freaked her freaked her out a little bit. And yeah. the nurses though, that's why I bring them up in this song because well one hospice nurses, they were so important to my family. They're so cool. Mm. But two, the nurses just told my mom, like, yeah, weird, weird, weird shit happens here all the time. Mm. And you can't deny him of that experience because we really don't know. Like these people mm. are half with us and so mm -hmm. you don't know what they're seeing and i mean the hospice nurses were just straight up badass bitches they were like yeah i mean johnny cash probably did come <laughs> you never fucking know nice <laughs> so yeah I wrote, awesome. I wrote that song my mom had actually written a story about the event already and and uh, I had her send it to me, and I talked to her on the phone about that day a bit. And then I just wrote that song, like, right there in that mm -hmm. cafe. Just oh, nice. Kind of. Um, flowed out? Just flowed out, yeah. And it's, uh, not a song I really would have chosen for a video channel. Like, I think it's just such an intimate song. Mm. I, I did it because the cinematographer, Mike Venata, wanted me to and so i did <laughs> he wanted you to do that one particularly yeah i played it the night before to fire and he liked it and mm -hmm. should have played a different one <laughs> the fire <laughs> i played a few yeah he liked that i made him cry so oh I think he's like that one yeah he was like let's do that one but um are you happy with how that video came out though yeah i like Otherwise? it yeah he was all right mm -hmm. what would you say about that um, <laughs> there's this one comment, and I'll, I should stop reading comments. Yeah, but dude. one fucking comment that has really pissed me off. Oh my gosh! Hello, Mr. Lamb. Bah. 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 Uh, I've been really liking it because sometimes they so just cute. sound like distressed. Yeah. People. Yeah. They're just like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, I knew you were gonna ask that because I didn't remember where we were either. Jesus. Uh, playing song. Oh, what would you? What? What don't you like about the video? Oh, oh the comment. Oh, the fucking comment by some. We're talking about bro. internet comments, bro. They <laughs> just commented too emotional, and that would be my fear mm. of being too emotional is that some bro. Yeah that's an idiot anyways and <laughs> is probably really mean to his girlfriends <laughs> would comment too emotional yeah and that is why you know when i'm going public because i knew putting a video on western is fuck that's very public i don't know that's reaching a lot of people and um i would i wanted you know to maybe play it a little safer but i mm -hmm. did just go i i just went there I've one comment isn't bad among how many I don't know. Yeah, there, there's probably a lot of good comments compared to that. Right. But I guess that's my only, that would be my only bone to pick with the video is mm -hmm. that I, you know, I cry a little bit in the beginning. Oh. I just like teared up. You didn't yeah. watch the video, did you? Yeah, I did. Oh. I didn't see I you teared up a little bit. Yeah. This, this sheep is eating a tree. sheep is eating a tree. He's a good boy. <laughs> good girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sheep is so cute. <gasps> oh, here comes his friend. Hi! 
Oh my god, they're so cute. They are cute. They're your little neighbors, your backdoor neighbors. Yeah, they're That's pretty cool. So cool. <laughs> I felt so bad for them on the Fourth of July when yeah. everyone was shooting fireworks right over their pasture. Yeah, they were scared. Yeah. <laughs> it's so insensitive. It would be very scary. Oh my gosh, they're all so cute. I didn't realize how fucked up fireworks were until I saw that. Like, because I've seen dogs freak out before, but then to be like, oh, this just sucks for most animals. Like, put a different perspective on it. Yeah. It's terrible. They're terrible. That night was horrible. I was playing Ocean. I went on Spotify and found an Ocean (laughs) noise podcast and was full. (laughs) Had it cranked full blast Did you really in yeah and i had the speaker <laughs> in our bedroom on my windowsill and it actually worked because at one point i turned it off and my dog like woke up all oh so now i know it helps oh yeah my dogs were freaking yeah. out so i just sh- i shut all the windows damn hot boxed us in there and <laughs> had ocean sounds cranked yeah. people were lighting off they were all over the place yeah and we're on the reservation mm-hmm the fuck yeah (laughs) pissed me off don't care it's america it was like my only white neighbors were Mm. none of my indigenous neighbors were putting fireworks off and then the white neighbors were just like while their dogs are like freaking out whatever (laughs) (sighs) Mm. Mm. (laughs) what else what uh What do you get sad about? (laughs) Wow. Is that a shitty question? No, that's a good question. Um. Is there particular stuff or is it general? I used to have like a lot of just like existential dread. And I think that just kind of wondering what the fuck I was doing on this world used to make me really sad and Mm -hmm. why are we destroying the earth that used to make me really sad and now it's Mm -hmm. more I mean I'm single for a reason I get really really bent when I'm heartbroken like Mm -hmm. it I just get really sad if you know I get done wrong so Mm. now i just kind of protect myself and that equals not dating well i'm trying to work through that though (laughs) (laughs) hi hi we got all kinds of animals around here hi hi honey um (laughs) so loneliness or something Yeah, I guess loneliness makes me sad. It's a pretty good thing to make you sad. Yeah. Shitty people makes me sad, too. Mm -hmm. Just, like, being deceived or tricked. Kind of. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the only way you know how to verbalize it. Yeah, that makes me sad. Um, Yeah, loneliness makes me sad, but then I, I find myself always there, you know? Mm. And just kind of always alone, living rurally. 
Mm. <laughs> so it's a very sad country song life. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I do it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like that came before the music right, did. Right. The music was just something that I used to cope, which, I mean, I guess that's how a lot of country music came about. Mm-hmm. But cowboy poets or whatever too yeah what makes you sad Mm. i'd say much the same like uh probably loneliness is the quickest way to put it yeah it'd be like uh how hard it is to connect with people or like yeah that we're all in this sort of position too like mm-hmm. that's extra sad is that it seems like everybody feels this way <laughs> yeah and like the solution is like through each other yeah so if there's a way to figure out like how to do it together then that seems like a thing but so much of this world seems bent on like making us greedy and Mm-hmm. like skeptical of other people mm-hmm. that like none of us really has the trust to like go forward and like make ourselves vulnerable a lot of the time. Yeah. Um. So I see those patterns in like other people and I see them in me and it's like, what the fuck? Why? Yeah. And that's sad. There's like so much gross shit everywhere that makes me sad too it's like i know nobody seems to know like i get pissed about kind of teenagery stuff about like families and shit like (laughs) how i wish i didn't come from like a broken home or whatever or how how we all come from broken homes in some sense too yeah i think about that shit a lot too yeah it makes me sad to think like it's weird like you know okay someone said this to me once grief is like a box Grief, grief is like a suitcase. Sometimes it's full of feathers. Sometimes it's full of rocks. Mm. And that's so fucking true. And time and time again, you know, grief ab- about my dad dying. And, you know, this mm. video was just released. And it's probably because I was playing the song because I was, like, feeling grief. But lately I've been feeling grief about him dying and, like, feeling bad for myself. Like, mm-hmm. What would? And I know it's just because I'm lonely and I wish I had, like, a nuclear family my mom got remarried mm-hmm. and I don't really hang out with th- that side of the fam, you know, her new husband and his family. And my brother has like a fiance and all that. And like, what would it be like if my dad was still alive? Well, I can tell you one thing I wouldn't, I mean, you know, when I really look at it and dial it and I wouldn't be here because mm. right. once he died, I went off, you know, I went mm. off the rocker and just kind of, did my own thing but he mm-hmm. was pretty patriarchal and I mm-hmm. so I would have straight and narrow mm. college probably gotten married you know oh. or something like that like I just it would have I would have it wouldn't have been easy for me to just like develop my own path or mind mm-hmm. I think experiencing like a lot of like grief and kind of like traumatic years around his death like mm-hmm. made me who I am but yeah sorry, I just totally tangent into no that's perfect tangential but I uh I'm glad you brought up grieving it's something I've been thinking a lot about 
Uh, grief is. I'm always interested in talking it because grief is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. Um, I was doing another podcast with a buddy. Um. Yeah, she she brought up grief, and I ended up like, is since I've been up here. Yeah. Like I we did the a podcast in Missoula, uh, her and I, and then. On the 4th, yeah, I took acid on the 4th and hung out and was, like, doing some grieving, actually. That's fine. On acid? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Was, like, just had a nice moment of crying. It was about my divorce. Um, Right. You were married. Yeah. So my breakup was actually a divorce as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Ouch. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks. And, you know, I did meet you when you... I remember you because we went to your house when... Laura and I went to surprise Cooper at Dry Fest and we went to your house and Laura was like, they just got married and this is their house. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm not the only like young idiot that got yes. married. Yes. Hope it works out for them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yep. So that didn't. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we can laugh about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> But it was like it's that was two years ago or so now. Yeah, saying this happened. one was this one, maybe that's a song I'll sing is too late to write a love song. But yeah, this one was like two, <laughs> three years ago. Yeah, now. yeah. But it's it when you make the around. connection and bond and have that like cosmic kind of like connection with someone that drives you to get fucking married. Like of if all things, think that that's a goddamn good idea because you're so in love. <laughs> Think again, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look who it is. <laughs> oh my God. Hi, Cooper. You need a smoke? Do you want to come hang out with us? You can come hang out. You should make a, a guest appearance. You have a mosquito on your forehead. Good job. Thanks. Thank you. Now it's dead in your <laughs> bangs. <laughs> <laughs> we just started talking about divorce, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Cooper's here to smoke cigarette. <laughs> um, Cooper, if you were interviewing Riddy right now, what would you say? Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I could take the mic and do it. Right. No, no fine. I've actually been thinking about this for a minute. Uh, do you miss playing music in New Orleans? Yes. Very much. Because playing music... Okay, like you remember when I played the show here at the mm-hmm. Merc? Mm-hmm. And I had been playing a lot of shows in New Orleans, and I felt so comfortable on stage. And I came here to play, and everyone had their kids, and they were all above the age of 38 and maybe even 45. (laughs) And they're all just watching me. I don't want to say judgmentally, but there was this energy that felt so much different. It felt... It felt, it made me really fucking nervous. Like, almost like it was expectant. They were like, oh, you're up there. Now play us something. Yeah, now, like, play. Mm-hmm. Now, like, perform. Mm-hmm. Do something good. Like, we're watching you. It better be good. You better not mess up. That's what it was. Mm. This weird, like, kind of, um, you better be perfect because you're playing a show, so wouldn't you be? Right. Where in New Orleans, it's more of a, at least for when I was down there playing, my friends were like, who the fuck cares? I'm putting you on the show. And I resist. And they'd be like, no, you're playing it. And you're going to fuck up. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Yeah. And here, 
like that's I'm terrified of playing shows out here mm. because of that mentality of like you know you got to be perfect at everything you do which is just the world in general right it's not right. montana it's not where i live now it's the whole world and whereas i just came from this little bubble of all these other musicians right <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna say in new orleans it's the big difference would be i think that more people understand music and so they're like yeah, like go fuck around. There's like a folkier approach to it where yeah. everybody's just kind of sitting around. It's like somebody grab a guitar and play. Yeah. As opposed to like, okay, we paid you. Now dance, monkey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any do you have other thoughts, Cooper? Or ready? Where did that come from? You're just curious. I was just curious because I know that would it be fair to say that you what what's the expression? You cut your teeth there a bit? Because mm-hmm. uh, you've been playing music for a hot minute, and you spent you've also spent a lot of time in New Orleans, so I wondered if those two things coincided. Yeah. Um, and then I was also wondering because uh, Riddy and I are also good friends outside of this, so we have had conversations about this. But um, <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back to like perfection and, and thinking of your music in that way, I know you've been practicing a lot, a lot, a lot. Is that, is that something that comes into your mind, trying to, like, perfect what you're doing, trying to find those oh, little nicks yeah. in the wood and smooth it out? Well, as I get more attention for my music, it's more of just a paranoia of criticism, and mm. that's unhealthy. And I know that a lot of my practice is because I'm terrified of negative commentary, and I... I mean, this is... <laughs> This is just uh, being raised in, like, a capitalist white supremacist society. Honestly, it's like everything must be perfect and dialed in. Mm-hmm. And But I also want to get better. I want to improve because right. with practicing, I can tell right. that I'm able to do things that I wasn't once able to. But, yeah, a lot of the recent stress of, like, wanting to be home practicing is just because... <laughs> Just kind of scared of people talking shit. Right, right. <laughs> but that has to be a good feeling too. Yeah, it's cool. It's an exciting feeling. Is it new? Yeah. This is the first time that you've you've like felt that itch. You're like, I just need to get home right now. It's kind of a new feeling. Yeah. yeah. When I told Laura, but not you, at the end of August, I'm uh, going to Portland to record. The oh album. yes, so it's that's actually right. happening. Yes, yes. So I'm practicing for that, too, because the producer was like, you should start playing drum tracks and, like, practicing locking up with them because I haven't ever played with a drummer. So I know. I, I, I'm a, I really like stand-up comedy, and so I've, like, <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to that a lot. Yeah. And I've listened, sure, I've listened to uh, comedians who are preparing for a special talk about this idea of when you are prepping like six eight months out for a special you want to play you want to do your set until a couple weeks out you're sick of it it's mm. you're, you're you just you just want to do the special now because you're so sick of it yeah and you just need to get it out of the way and done with wow i appreciate hearing that because i'm to the point where i'm like this is album's gonna suck because i'm so over all these songs yeah but i'm excited i'm working with two producers they're both gonna be there and so they're gonna help me like, like we're, they're gonna help me like breathe the fresh air and 
you know, I would just record this shit in my bedroom right. normally, yeah, yeah. but like, no, there needs to be some little extra special musical doodads yeah. involved or else. To bring, uh, ideally, in an ideal world, that brings more out in you. Right. And it will. It will be like a creative environment and hopefully like the three of us and whatever else musicians are around, it will just kind of like breathe fresh breathe fresh life mm. into the songs like for me too like yeah. it'll feel exciting and i don't know how open are you to um like producer man fucking with your songs or like mm. to what extent <laughs> even the sheep just said mm. <laughs> um i don't really know all i know is i don't want them to fuck with them enough where they can say they co-wrote it and I don't know what that point. Does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know what point that happens. The producer, he he said, we talked on the phone for, we had like a four hour conversation that just like happened. You know, mm. we, we really connected. So I'm very excited to mm -hmm. like work with him. But um, he said that he, at one point in his early career, he would write, basically like write people's songs and g not give himself any credit. And now he's trying to give himself credits I, i'm never gonna let someone so that didn't even answer the the question really but um i don't I so is it uh more of a technical yeah it's thing more where you don't want somebody to be able to put their name on it or it's just that at that point it would mean that it had been changed too much i don't do you know what i mean I think that it would be have been changed too much. Yeah, it wouldn't be that your song anymore. It wasn't mine anymore. anymore. Yeah. Because, I, of course, I w I'm all into giving people credit, you know. Absolutely. But at that point, it's not my song. And I want to co-write, but this album is my solo album. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, but I also need help. Like, I'm kind right. of... I just, I just need help, so... It's. It, I just ask like producing has struck me as a strange job for a long time, and like a cool job and a necessary job, and like a good producer can take like a band's stuff and make it like a hundred times better just with a couple like a rearrangements that the musicians wouldn't have thought of, but like, ideally, ideally yeah. that's a that's a good producer. Um, yeah, this could just fucking ruin me. So. <laughs> 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 we'll see. We'll see. Oh my god. Yeah, actually my friend Esther Rose, she's a um you know, she's a musician and she's doing pretty good for herself. She's got a label and all that and she's recorded, she's working on her third album. She mentioned an album record like a recording doula like <laughs> Oh wow. That wow, wow, she wow, wow. was for uh one of our <laughs> friends uh she was her, you know, recording doula and went there and just to make sure. And she's pretty outspoken and she knows I'm not. And she's like, you know, someone's got to make sure that it's going to sound good. Right, right, right. Because you could be having these like big name dudes making your thing, but you don't, she said, you don't want to sound like a, like a Portland country um, bimbo or something right. like that. Right. But it's true. I want it very simple. Right. Because worst case scenario would be you hear it and you don't even recognize that it's your song. That's what I won't let happen. Right. That's worst case scenario. Right. That's, that's we're trashing case. this. This is this is done. We gotta start over. Yeah. Um. 
Now, I've always wondered this. Have you ever written, because you write very personal songs. Yeah. Is Has there ever been a song or a couple songs that are just too personal that no one will ever hear? Definitely. Oh, my God. I have tons. M- more than the ones that we can hear? The ones you hear, yeah, I have ones that are very personal. Um, there's one I retired because I was like, wrote a couple songs about one person and, you know, I don't. It's like almost becomes a passive aggressive <laughs> where it's like you're writing these songs that they know they're about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they right, right, right. Know <laughs> they're about them. And even though nothing about the breakup was passive aggressive, it's like everyone else also knows <laughs> that it's about them. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> those songs I'm not really that fascinated by anymore. <laughs> like it's just that doesn't those songs need to be minimal <laughs> <laughs> because i uh, bring it back to myself which i do all, all the time but <laughs> i i always try to do that with my comics because the like the comic form is, is so inherently silly yeah that it it does sometimes operate as a form of therapy and there's yet to be one that's too personal where i don't put out because yeah. it is just like weird cartoons on paper and so that in itself is like a shield for me Right. Where no matter how personal it is, it's it's still a silly medium. Yeah. And that's a really nice shield. Yeah. Um, but music is not that way at all. Well, we were talking about punk music and um to draw it back to where our conversation kind of started and that Phil was saying, you know, how he started work playing f- folk music now and when he played punk music, the songs, you know, they could be personal or sad or whatever, like have some emotion other than angry but when you're screaming and it's a punk band that's a shield you get to kind of hide behind that like tough tough um exterior and um yeah like the macho hardcore bro (laughs) you're not a hardcore bro to me at all (laughs) actually but um yeah right and so playing music that's it's scary being up on stage playing these sad songs i think that's also why i'm trying to write songs that Mm. are a little bit more either like tell my story through (laughs) the lens of a character really i mean because it's hard getting up there and like burying your soul and especially if i am going to start playing shows and hopefully playing for big audiences and I don't want to be telling all these douchebags <laughs> everything about me. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I did. An extra shield I did in Bull Market, that punk band is like having a character. Or like eventually I developed like, oh, it's not me. There's like this office worker and I'm channeling his stuff. Oh and it was like me from my experience as an office worker so like i felt those things and then i also knew how the shit felt afterward even when i wasn't in those situations i knew how to like filter it through that i love the idea of um using characters to like distance yourself from the stuff yeah like springsteen did that or craig finn of the hold steady does that yeah um yeah that song i wrote problems of my own my mom hates it because she's like afraid that people will take it so literal that you know my dad cheated on my mom and and she was wasted and was abusive or whatever and i guess that does come from a certain sentiment and like 
for lack of better word, vibe of my childhood. Mm. But it's not quite so literal. And I did write it in from like a character, like right. a little, like a little. I pictured a a young woman, maybe like eleven or twelve, like when you first really realize your parents suck. <laughs> Because we all have that memory, like, when you're like, oh, my parents fucking suck. Yeah. And <laughs> they lie, and they don't know everything. <laughs> We've all been there. For sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody pointed out in a class one time, like, well, in order to make a piece of art, like, you have to have had that feeling before or like you have to have done that thing before is what they said so like there's a funny confusion that happens with people who like don't aren't super involved with art where they like don't understand how it works um like in the song Folsom Prison Blues Cash sings about um feeling like he just shot somebody right or that he, he sings that he just shot yeah, somebody he did, yes. yeah and so, like, it was a pretty easy counterexample to be like, well, no, I'm pretty sure Cash didn't, like, actually shoot somebody. He might have, but, like, probably not. He's using that as a vehicle to express, like, how he feels. Mm -hmm. Like, if you just broke up with somebody and, like, broke their heart, it might feel like you shot somebody. Yeah. Or, like... Just like how Coulter wrote this song, Kate McCannon, which is a modern-day, like, murder ballad, which I don't like at all and i don't like being at his shows when he sings it because all the bros that are his fans get really like yeah dude yeah yeah that's right and oh, it's no. really awkward uh <laughs> that's <laughs> a huge problem with murder ballads oh it's a huge problem and when he well it's just the revenge porn when he played that sh song in new orleans i saw and if you're listening to this culture uh I hope to God you aren't. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> no. Um, um, when he played that show in New Orleans, and it was a very intimate venue. After he played it, uh, yeah, just all these bros were chanting like Southern bros that are the most privileged, like little rich kids. You know, you can just tell on a white Southern man, and uh, all started chanting like, "Yeah, you right. Yeah, you right." Weird. Which is weird for multiple reasons yeah. and i saw a little look and i started fucking crying when he was playing because it was so weird yeah and i could tell after the song played i haven't heard him play it at a show since mm. but i it was we it was just all around right really fucking weird right where it gave these dudes some weird license some weird license that abuse is okay right. or that yeah or that form of retaliation is fine. Is appropriate. Yep, is appropriate. Like killing another body. Yes, and that's that what it too, was. It was right? seriously yeah. killing another body, and like they don't care about women. Right. It's just like that. That's how much you care about women. Right. That's what happens when you do that. These are the same men that are like lynching people, and then it's getting convicted mm -hmm. of like suit. It's then it's like ruled as a suicide. Like right. those were the type of dudes right. that would be party to that possibly would be fine p potentially to maybe. extrapolate <laughs> way out but yes 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 <laughs> um is is there because murder balance is a weird one because it's it, it has such deep roots in folk music yeah a lot of those songs go back 
uh, if I remember my history correctly, to like old Welsh and Irish and, and old English ballads. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a place for a murder ballad? No. Not anymore. I think it's or wrong. Ever. I think it's, I mean, I've written a mer- murder ballad about um, a guy I was dating. And from it a was woman's kind point of, of view? Yeah, it was from a woman's point of view. Well, I wrote one, a personal one, a personal one, and then I wrote one from another one that was about a woman that killed her abusive husband and that's one that I don't really play anymore but um but and that was kind of a retaliation towards the men that I knew that were still playing mur- murder ballads but I don't I just don't think they're really appropriate I mean I guess like if you were talking about like killing cops or Nazis that's fine but like s- abuse between spouses and partners like goes both ways and i don't think that talk even for like a woman to talk about killing their boyfriend i mean maybe i'm really like wrong on that i wonder (laughs) i mean it changes for culture wall if if they're like people clearly misinterpreting it and you're part of like a nasty culture all of a sudden that way which yeah, he just, like, found himself in. Yes, yeah. and that would be shitty, because, like, the point of those songs is, like, that there's distance, and that that's just right. a feeling. And and he loves traditional music. Right. And he wrote that when he was just, like, getting, you know, when he was probably, like, 22 or 21. So he's... Just getting going and trying yeah, it out. just getting going. But my point is, like, I wonder about the line with this, because... I would like to say that in all of our songs, we don't have to have, like, a moral compass there. Like, my use, the way I think of art isn't, like, for morals, usually. Like, it's to explore feelings and explore shit. And so, like, what is the difference between a murder song and Folsom Prison Blues? Like, that's about somebody killing somebody, and we sh- we're not supposed to do that. So does that mean that that song is like no longer one that sh- we should listen to or sing or anything? I or think I think the murder ballad uh, traditionally they're about a husband killing a wife, mm. and I think that that is why um, it, it <laughs> for me personally and like a lot of female musicians I know, um, Alinda Segura wrote, uh, who is. If Hooray for the Riff Raff wrote a really beautiful song about murder ballads um, mm. and why they're wrong. What's it called? Um, anyway, I, I just think it's uh, it's just an old school way of thinking, you know, owning your wife. And if she does anything wrong, you get to right. kind of like discard her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. No, and I'm not. Like I'm not even trying to defend murder ballads oh, per se, but it's just like um, along those lines. Like I think yeah. it makes sense with this, especially if you have people who might actually murder their wife well, sometimes singing I mean, along. Then I it's think alarming. Like with our music and like our music and popular visual art, like cartoons or like things like visual art that's within the media, somehow that like mass audiences are seen. We have to be really careful about the things we put out there and write about because people take this shit biblically. Like, it becomes a sort of religion or right. it can. <coughs> and I don't want to get, I don't want pe- to get people to get fucking twisted, you know? Right. Because well, there's, there's that idea that 
the art is yours until you put it out there. Right. And then it doesn't become yours. I, I always think of the example Oki from Muskogee, which is, is that Waylon Jennings? Well, I know Merle. Or is that Merle Haggard? Merle Haggard, Merle, Merle, Merle Haggard. Yeah. So he wrote that song, and he's sort of winked and hinted at this in interviews from back in the day. It, it's a it's an ironic piece. Right. It's it, it, He thinks of it, and he wrote it as an ironic piece, but he eventually had to retire playing that song because the people he was writing it about that he to some degree disagreed with um, became his biggest fans. Yes, they were, and that that was an anthem for them. That's that was that was to them the way like uh, of him kind of winking and saying at them and saying, "Yeah, this is cool. It's cool to think this way and to act this way." Right. Uh, and he kind of had to take a moment and realize, like, I just don't want to play this song anymore. Mm-hmm. And same with uh, uh, Randy Newman's "Redneck." Uh, How did? W- yeah, sure. Same, same sort of deal. And, and "Redneck" is a pretty egregious song. The chorus is is like, it's pretty terrible. Has says the n word a lot. Oh. Um, another like pretty incredibly satirical piece that he had to stop saying because people, you know, people in his crowds were saying the chorus with, yeah, vigor. <laughs> they were saying it uh, in in support of what he was saying, and he was like, no, yeah. Uh, and he he had to he know he'll play that song. He won't ever play that song again. Yeah. Well, you know, I've heard you've been listening to Nick Shoulders. Mm-hmm. I hear Laura's been listening to him, and he's one of my good friends. And um, he comes from the rural South, uh, right outside of Fayetteville. And so he, you know, all his songs are hyper political. He's super radically minded, and he's not afraid to fucking talk about it. And um, since his um, since Western is fuck video has kind of gotten him like the leg up and he's yeah. so he's just his fan base is like insane now and <laughs> even though he wears completely on his sleeve everywhere just he is just like don't fuck with me nazis suck right i hate trump right he's get, gets people in his dms all day long don't make it political man don't make it political mm. man like come on we just want to listen to the music that is the type of thing that blows my mind is right. watching my friends that are artists struggle with this and how these people artists musicians have always been radical mm-hmm. people politicized and they've and been highly politicized yes. and you know now like conservative daughters have janice joplin posters on their wall <laughs> but let's not forget where the fuck those people stood yes during the civil rights movement during the civil rights or, yeah, movement when she was performing yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has that great song on the I think it's the No Fun album, The World Needs Sissies Too. Yeah. That's a that's a great song and, and incredibly political and I don't know. I I bet those guys probably just skipped that track on the record. Oh, I think uh well yeah, on his new record he has one called uh oh god damn it. It's just uh it's it's about playing country music and like no, it's if you need country or <laughs> it's just about country music and if you like country music, why the fuck are you such a piece of <laughs> piece of shit? <laughs> and um, um So he even has trouble though, like even giving those clear indicators, being like this is satire. Well, he with people trying to fuck with him, and he's like, "Leave." Well, I'm Don't just saying. Listen to my music. I- I'm just saying it's interesting because even if you like do your job and yeah. like put in the album a song that's like, "Hey, this is where I actually stand." <laughs> like, 
whatever for something about sissies like that is a clear thing to me and so that would be something to be like okay in all the other songs where it's like you're not sure like now you know like the the spectrum's over here but then i guess people are determined enough or like there's some badass enough songs that they're like yep i'll just take that one and leave that sissy song yeah so that's frustrating i mean i i do wonder at what point we're responsible still responsible for shit like that like as artists because I don't know. Maybe for like, for like for, for how it com- how responsible for how your music comes off. Like, I don't know. I right. don't know. People probably think I'm like a redneck. I, that's my one of my concerns with my music. I mean, I have some political songs that are really depressing. Well, I have one I'm working on that I think will be on the album, but uh people see a cowboy hat and they just assume you're on their team that's something i've been you know trying to (laughs) figure out is like Mm -hmm. cowboy hat and cowboy boots for a lot of people is an indicator of um conservatism and just like wearing a punk jacket um for conservatives and even if i'm covered in tattoos like people will find comfort in like a certain presentation and mm. kind of run with it even with hand tattoos <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. i have face tattoos yeah. <laughs> right two dots <laughs> <laughs> um but those are just people that don't know me anyone that met me like any you know like really conservative rancher like they meet me and they know what i'm about the second they meet me i think i kind of i exude like true freedom and uh there's a woman that's strong and seeking like what is right and just and it's kind of something that's apparent when you meet me in person they understand that pretty quickly yeah (laughs) yeah they're like oh this woman's not oppressed enough Uh (laughs) (laughs) i should not have done that accent sorry that was rude (laughs) (laughs) that's fucked up (laughs) <laughs> well, Cooper, I'm about to kick you out. So, do you have any last words? Really? <laughs> no, surprisingly <laughs> enough, no. It's been a pleasure. You don't have more things to say. <laughs> Honest, really? I'm all out. I I remember that that that's possible for you. <laughs> Thanks for dropping in, though. Oh, here's Laura. <laughs> Laura, do you want to turn? He just got kicked out. <laughs> um, Am I going to play a song or what? Oh, well, if the fucking machinery would stop, oh, maybe. The machinery's just blasting our asses. <laughs> Please? I've been trying to take pictures. She just took one. I know. I asked her to send it. Oh. <laughs> um... So Cooper showed up. I wanted to talk about divorce more. <laughs> I didn't know that you were divorced. Oh yeah, it's I like got one of my favorite things to talk about. Oh, in great. A w- yeah, mine too, actually. But I've never talked about it with another person that's like young and also in a. I feel like like me getting married was really 
uh, <laughs> controversial. I just had a lot of friends that were like, why did you do that? Mm. I mean, well, the, the truth of the matter is we got married because he is from Canada. Oh, okay. And his parents lived in the States. They had visas. His mm. dad worked in tech. Um, and so every time he would cross the border, the um, border would think that he was moving here to like live mm. with his parents and never go back to Canada. Anyways, it just got gnarly and yeah. they were keeping us from each other and we were like ultra in love. Mm -hmm. We got married. I mean, we were also super in love. But yeah. How long have you been seeing each other? A year. Okay. How long were y'all seeing each other? Mm, since senior year of high school. Wow. Yeah. So marriage for you is like the next step on like dating each other for like a million years. Yes and no. It, I wouldn't Why say that. Why did you do it? Yeah. So that's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I never saw myself getting married. No, of course. So. I mean, yes, same. Like. And now we have to check the divorced box, bitch. Mm -hmm, right. <laughs> yes. Uh, and somehow I end up doing it, which is like a really weird thing. So it like yeah. requires some explaining. But the short, the long and short of it is that we'd been dating since senior year of high school. Um, oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, and went to college. I started to have like a big, you need a lighter. Did Cooper steal the lighter? No, I, I think oh. I did. Um, so we were together for a long time. We were living together. In a lot of senses, we were already behaving like a married couple. So, you like, bought a house together, right? Well, we did after we, we got married. Okay, right. mm -hmm. that was but, after. but we had lived together for a while. It seemed like it was a natural step in a lot of ways yeah. for us to do that. It was yeah. like, oh, well, we're living this way. Why not do it? But then I um, got interested in polyamory. And um, I'm familiar. Yeah. Uh, so I really wanted to pursue that. And um, even though Sydney wasn't really into it, we wanted to stay together. And so we tried to figure that out. And Oof. so, like, I told her one time at McKinsey River Pizza that I was interested in polyamory on a dinner th thing. Were and you eating the white bread in the ranch sauce when you were we talking about We probably were. It? Yeah, yeah, lodge pools are one of our favorites, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or were. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I told her it was totally shocking. So we spent the next year or two, like, walking around Missoula at night when we had time, like, trying to figure out what our relationship meant and where it was going. And... We finally got to a point where it was like, well, we don't want to break up. And we were both really frustrated. Like, I had not been able to, like, date anybody else or do anything like that. And she was still, like, feeling very insecure about it. Yeah. And so we were both frustrated. And so we were like, well, maybe it would help if we got married, pretty much. Because the whole premise around marriage is you got to work it out. If it's if anything's going wrong, mm. you have to make it work. Which well, was something, we were in that, yeah. Right, which was something that when my, I told my mom we were getting married, even though it was for citizenship, she said, well, if you get married, you just, you got to work it out. Like, mm. you better 
be you're gonna be locked in you better be ready yeah yeah it was that whole very like catholic or very religious idea of like marriage the sanctity of it mm-hmm. and it, it is like forever right right so, so we, you did that kind of to like so the idea was that by getting married sydney would have like some security Right, and then I would be able to also like do what I wanted to and see other people, which is like one of the most backwards ass deals from yeah, another angle, because <laughs> like basically we were both signing up to do something that was the opposite of what we wanted to do, yeah, essentially, and we were hoping that the other person would change so that it wasn't mm-hmm. the case anymore, yeah, um, yeah, so that I mean. I love Sydney and we're still in touch, yeah, but like, cool. um, and we're, yeah, it's, it's really nice. We're able to still do processing together about like what happened. Um, like still able to cry together about it and stuff like that, which is, it's a huge nice. loss. I mean, relationships yeah. are so hard and yeah, I guess that, that last one. Yeah. That's why I, I still haven't really like dated anyone since then, you know, seriously, because just the loss, like the pain that comes from um, losing that connection in the way that, like in the first form you felt it in, which was like intense, passionate love, like is hard. Mm -hmm. Just becoming friends with someone that you once had this like very special intimacy with. Yeah. Just like being a partner. Yeah. Big Trip was like we you know, pretty much for four or five years, like, lived together. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like we saw each other every few weeks. And it was like, damn, that's a big change. That's a big change. Yeah. And the small changes, like, (laughs) of, uh, yeah, living with someone that you're like a team. Right. And so you get so much shit done and you have these ways of living where you've become a team and one team member, you know, naturally is always like taking care of this one thing, though others not like just because they want to taking mm-hmm. care of this other, not gender dynamically at all. I'm necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. But, you know, you both like have your roles within your functions. Mm-hmm. And then when that's taken away, it's like extra h- hard because you just notice all these like slight differences and, and lack thereof. Lack thereof. Yeah. yeah, that was the biggest thing for me is like I became completely disorganized. I'm terrible at paying bills, terrible at doing like any clerical work where I was married and da- dating, married to someone that is like hyper organized and has like folders labeled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> that type of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just like very simple things are like he brought me coffee in bed every morning. Mm. A very That's what I used to do too. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not a morning person. He was. <laughs> right. And like right. I would get coffee in bed every morning and, <laughs> and these are all just like simple details that are so shallow, but you know, just like small things that you in the moment are <laughs> And you take them for granted. You take them for granted. That's the sad part. Yeah. Is like the saddest thing or one of the saddest things I <laughs> try to do because I'm fucked up is like um <laughs> just like try to remember t- the feelings of stuff like even just like yeah. laying in bed next to her and being oh, like God. and then I'm like I don't really remember that quite like there's flashes of it but yeah 
Like, that's a weird one. Yeah, I've recently, I mean, I've been, like, grieving our relationship. And so there's this thing that him and I, when we've talked on the phone about it. um, So you guys still talk to? Oh, we don't right now. But we were, for like, this past summer, we, last summer, uh, when I wrote this song, Too Late to Write a Love Song, him and I had been, like, talking and actually to a point where we could talk and kind of process things um, in like a deeper way and I could be more uh, vulnerable because I was kind of like the stubborn one that couldn't drop my ego in the relationship like I will blame myself for the relationship going to hell because I was just had a lot of jealousy and um it was like it was my first serious relationship and there's a lot of things I did very wrong um but um I don't even know what we were talking about (laughs) (laughs) sorry no 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 um yeah first relationships it was my first relationship too yeah right because you came right out of high school yeah yeah um but yeah, I guess lately, yeah. Okay, so this is the thing we talked about is yeah. is do you want like, you know, he said to me like, "Do you miss me? Do you think you're still in love with me because you're lonely?" And I had to really think about that and I think the answer was yes. And uh, but also I had been kind of dating people and I just hadn't experienced the love that he gave me and that's mm-hmm. something I took for granted like how much he actually loved me and wanted to be with me and I pushed him away Mm. and that's something that has really fucked me up because I I fucked it I did fuck that up Mm. and you know everyone's like oh there's someone else there's more love there's more people out there well I haven't I haven't come across it yet and Mm. I haven't come across someone that adores me that much but also do I want to be adored that much Mm. like is that something I have to work on Mm -hmm is um being loved yeah that that for me i think is i mean i know that's something i have to work on is like being loved by people and letting that happen just letting someone love me and i know gotta love yourself (laughs) it's true well it all does go together at a certain point but yeah oh my god all the sheep are just (laughs) these sheep are going nuts the sheep love us here they are or they love these plants yeah, they like snacking. You guys are snacking. You're snacky boys. <laughs> snacky girls, I guess. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Like, the more I talk to people about stuff, the more they say things back to me that, uh, like, were in my head. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to hear people just, like, have similar experiences with stuff. Um, yeah. That's why human, like, intimate human connection, I avoid, like, con- well, I don't avoid it. Like, I <coughs> I am a person that I call it zero to 100. <coughs> like, I'll explain people, but, like, yeah, you know, they're, like, a zero to 100 person, which means which is I identify as a zero to 100, where you and I have just really, we've been talking for what, like, an hour and okay. a half 
and I've known you and we've seen each other and we've like eaten a bunch of dinners together and been around each other, but you know, just go there, like mm. just dive in. Yeah, yeah. But when I do that with people that I trust, it's always coming on common ground. Like it's just mm. such a common occurrence. Right. We're all human. We're all made from the same, you know, yeah. same uh like cellular structures mm-hmm. in ways. So And we go through similar stuff. We go through similar stuff, so of course we're gonna be able to help each other through it. Mm-hmm. I don't typically find when my friends are having like struggles emotionally I don't feel like I I can like empathize with it all damn they're They're on the roof there's a sheep on the roof of the (laughs) tin (laughs) they're gonna eat the tree (laughs) they know what's up they do they're getting rowdy at dusk (laughs) um I feel like I'm often so wrapped up in my own emotions or like I'm just so in my head that it's hard for me sometimes to give good advice because I feel like I'm always still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Advice is usually a bad idea in general. I think think advice is too, but you know, it's like that immediate like reaction when someone's like struggling and a friend is asking you Mm. for help. Like Mm -hmm. it's just that like immediate reaction to be like, well, well, what about this? Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. Advice is a terrible idea. No, but you, I'm sorry. I missed I misjudged where you were headed. So, oh, but but advice is still. I mean, when I'm having a hard time, it just feels good to have a friend be like, "Yeah, that sucks. That sounds like that sucks." Right. <laughs> like yeah, it does. <laughs> right, but sometimes people ask for it, and you're saying that sometimes you feel unprepared just because of how much you're dealing with with it, or that, and maybe I don't feel like I am always the person that is that articulate about like emotions mm. like I'm very you know you can listen to my music and maybe get something out of th- what I'm saying through there but I have a hard time like really um Like I can, I'm, I'm, I can empathize with people 100%, but I'm maybe not, I don't feel like, or I don't give myself enough credit for like what I can respond with when someone's having a hard time, Mm. which pisses me off because I want to be a good advice giver or just like a good person to process with. And Mm. I, I can be, but I feel like I always bring it back to myself, which is really annoying. Like Mm. I empathize through like my own experience which isn't helpful Mm. a lot of times yeah oh shit you just said something that i totally identified with and then i kept (laughs) i kept listening (laughs) uh it strikes me that like if Like, for me, I have a similar thing. Like, I have trouble processing with other people. Although, I can be good at it. Like, really good at it. Yeah. Um, but I get caught on... I think I just, like, have control issues is one part of it. Like, uh, yeah. when I'm talking about things and bringing stuff to the table, 
then like I'm comfortable to do that. Oh, but you said something about responding. Like, but when it comes to responding, like that's something where it's a more passive role. And like to me, th- maybe that's something I struggle with is just like taking stuff as it comes and then like not getting all wrapped up on myself right. and then and not like taking your emotions in that like uh. not like wrapping yourself up in their emotions so much that then it becomes a part of you and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally yeah um that's something that i've been like working on a lot is like how I have like boundary issues, right. <laughs> basically, and I think it's not a necessarily bad quality. Like, we admire people for being like pushing boundaries with like a- innovation or something, but also like, uh, well, basically, I've been kind of like emotionally fucked up to the extent that I think. I, like, ignore emotions, but then also, like, when I have the opportunity to engage with them, I, like, really dive in, and it becomes, like, a wallowing thing or, like, that thing where you get wrapped up in them, and so what I'm finding is, like, I need to put up boundaries with my, like, empathy in some places, and then also, like, extend it more in other places. Yeah. Um, The balance is super important right and hard yeah i'm it's kind of what i'm working on right now it's <laughs> one of the things that i'm trying to figure out or e- yeah just being even more like like also just being more protective with myself because i am mm-hmm. someone that yeah like with relationships what i talked just about throw yourself touch, in or yeah they just they destroy me when it goes wrong because i just put my whole self in so quickly and and I hate th- I love romance like I want that I want to like fall in love with someone like like hard and fast and just be like oh we're in love, but then this new part of me this is trying to protect myself or just be like more conscious of like how much I'm putting out is like take taking things a bit slower and just protecting my emotions a bit more and. It's hard to do if you're lonely. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> it isn't. It isn't it too. Bec- it isn't. It isn't too because I also really, really, really treasure my aloneness. Yeah. Well, and so that's not loneliness, though. Yeah. No, that's just alone. Yeah. yeah that's just aloneness. Right. So I need to figure out, you know, to date someone and not just like move in with them like, <laughs> the next month. Yeah. Yeah. Or get married like the next right. year or some shit. Or even not even necessarily like moving in officially, but I think it's pretty common for people to like start hooking up or whatever, and then yeah. all of a sudden they're just like at each other's house right all the time. Yeah. To the extent that they may as well be moved in together. Right. Yeah. yeah. I uh, yeah, that's a fun thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Fortunately, not. Fortunately, I work so much now and I have so much on my plate, like as far as my music goes and just like my own goals that I feel like if I do find someone that I like enough to start a like intimate relationship with, I'll already have like these natural boundaries or just I'm more like this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And please keep doing what you're doing. Like right. do not 
don't abandon Glom your on. ship. Yeah, 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 do not abandon your ship. Keep on your ship. Like, let's just... I'm, I guess I... Yeah, I'm looking for someone that already has their own goals and, like, things that they're doing. And we can both just kind of... Um, do your own thing together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. Really important in a relationship. And that's like the sexiest thing too when you're dating someone and they have their own passion. Even if you don't understand it, they're doing it and that's hot and that's mm. cool. And Well, because that's where their passion is. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So you get to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to play a song? Yeah, I was it's just the machinery's kind of okay. I think. Well, yeah, we'll figure it out. Let me get the guitar. Yeah, you might have to tune it too. Cool. Does it sound okay? Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, I know I'm gonna fuck up because. No, that's not. But it's gonna to be good. You're well, not no. To manifest it like. Yeah, that. no, and it's gonna be fine either way. It's gonna be great. I'm hoping that like audiences like what I'm trying to get at and even this producer so this is a cool thing about him he's like you know I'm into like the imperfections like people come yeah. into my studio and hire me and want me to auto-tune their voice if they mess up and he's like and uh, that's not what I'm about I yeah. just want it to be you know natural and that's where I'm at and I'm hoping that anyone that's a true fan of music can find beauty in like the, in mistakes. the intricacies of mistakes. Yeah. No one's perfect. And it's yeah. I'm trying to think about how mistakes are big seeds for growth. Or yeah, absolutely. And like everybody's human, you know. No one, no people are so used to listening to this music that's so overproduced on the mm. radio and forget that it's coming from a human. Mm. For sure. Oof, these bugs are nibbling. Right, let's get this over okay, with. Okay, I'll then. just do it. Okay. <laughs> this song's called Too Late to Write a Love Song. Wish I could say I didn't mean to. But I present. Oops, I started it wrong. That's cool. Restart. Um, oh. Okay, I'll get a cigarette going. Get the fuck back. Yeah, rip, <laughs> start ripping a cig. <laughs> Doesn't feel like it's been long But it's been two years and then so Guess I'm slow to moving on And it's too
Wish I could say I didn't mean to But I press in and I called you I said some things that weren't true And it's too late to write a love song Try and I try to keep you off my mind. Drinking and dancing into the night. Well, I know you've got a new life and someone by your side. And that it's too late to write a love song. Yes, it's too late to write a love song. Fuck. <laughs> fucking mosquitoes are <laughs> kicking my ass right now. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for tuning into this conversation with Reddy Armin. Be sure you go check her out. Um, be on the lookout for uh, new music from her. Go check her out on Bandcamp, uh, YouTube. Um, name again is spelled R-I-D-D-Y-A-R-M-A-N. Um, I'm going to play this out with one of her tunes. And it's called, uh, I think it's just called Too Late to, La- Too Late to Write a Love Song. And it's really good. Um... Yeah, if you want to read more stuff or find more podcasts, uh, check out waste-division.org. And if you could leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use, that would be cool, too. Kind of help other people find us. Uh, Tell your friends all that shit. So um, anyway, yep. Thanks to Riddy. Thanks, everybody. Bye.